Mayo, would you wear AirPods that had cameras coming out of the stem of some sort? I I don't see. I I don't have an aversion to it. I think really okay. Well, I think the future clearly is some way of having a outward facing camera for your life, right? Not yeah, necessarily to that. take photos with, but to in you know AI the outside world as it were. As you're looking at something, you can say, "Tell me more about this." Uh, you know, you're looking at recipe cards, and it can like read it to you in the, if it's in another language, it can read it back mm-hmm. to you, and. Putting cameras in headphones is maybe more maybe more amenable to customers than wearing headsets and glasses, possibly, if you see what I mean. Possibly. Yeah. This comes from Mark Gurman in his Power On newsletter. He basically exp- said there are three different wearable categories that Apple is kind of exploring in addition to the Apple Watch. So he says Apple is exploring AirPods with cameras, smart glasses, and some sort of smart ring. Based on his reporting, it sounds like the AirPods with cameras are further along in development, just maybe ever so slightly further along. The glasses and ring are in early discussion stages. The idea of Apple-branded glasses kind of like the Meta Ray-Bans, I actually think that's pretty cool. The Meta Ray-Bans seem to be like well-reviewed and popular. Yeah, and they don't do very much, right? They're like a good balance, though. They, take, they can take photos and videos at a... Re- pretty good quality and a point of view of having them on your eyes is obviously really good but that seems to be the primary use case that i've seen people wear them for well and that you can like talk to an assistant while you're walking around without having to get your phone out of your pocket is or raise your wrist to your face like that's kind of what they're marketed as Um, and more recently they've they've started rolling out some of the like AI stuff to it where it can like take a photo of what you're looking at and then tell you about it in the scene and stuff like that's in beta on the mm, Ray-Bans that's cool. yeah um, which is cool as a demo I'm not 100% sold exactly where you use it like some of it requires a bit more of a like a two three year roadmap in terms of thinking about how much better it can mm-hmm. be because right now there's a massive delay when you ask like what's going on and you can't you know it can't give you the most information that you can get like obviously if you're like blind or something it's obviously immediately useful but if you can see the thing Quite often, it's quicker to like look at the thing rather than ask a voice what to do with it. But in time, you can see how that evolves, especially as you integrate, you know, contacts and media and your own previous experiences in life. And so they've gone down a kind of glasses form factor, which is way less intrusive than the big, you know, ski goggles style headsets like the Vision Pro is. Mm-hmm. But the trade off is you can't do very much through them. They don't even. Like the Ray-Bans don't even have a screen, right? Like, right, yeah. You just look through them and then you speak to a voice and it can take pictures. There's some more in-between ones that look like glasses and they kind of project on through the lenses, but obviously you don't get like super good resolution. You can see the world through them because it's the real world. But then if you are trying to focus on content, you can't really do that right now because there's not like a way to take those like see-through glasses and show high fidelity video for instance which is something like the vision pro excels at but you can maybe project some couple of lines of text or something so there's a few startups out there doing like the translate glasses where someone says something and then it puts captions over what you're looking at but it's just you know basic text formatting but they look like glasses so they they're less obtrusive i could see a pair of apple glasses that can take spatial photos and spatial videos like being pretty appealing depending on the price even if that's really their only function aside from having some sort of basic siri integration and maybe you can do like bone conduction for music right like 
German kind of said that in the in the story in his story, like they were kind of framing them as AirPods glasses. So like, yeah, the sound is the huge part. Like you you wear them over your eyes, but really they're audio devices. And, and we kind of see that with Vision Pro, where like those little audio pods that you think won't sound very good when you come. They're first of all they sound pretty good, and you combine that with the spatial aspect of them. Mm. That they sound really good for the size. Yeah, and the thing, a lot of the Vision Pro, like, bulk is enabling pass-through and, like, augmented reality use cases and integration with the outside world, which needs, you know, better sensors, Mm -hmm. a lot of processing power. If you kind of think in your head and try and imagine slightly further out, glasses that are kind of like Meta Ray-Ban form factor, maybe also could just shove, like, a display in there to just show you video. So, like, you know, the everyone says, well, in bed, it's great wearing a Vision Pro to watch a movie. Like, yeah, in time, you can see how that could maybe get to a, the small form factor of lightweight eyeglasses without needing all of the other stuff to come along with it, which is going to take a lot longer to make a reality, right? Like, obviously, the long-term aim is proper augmented reality glasses, doing everything the Vision right. Pro can do right now and more in glasses that just look like glasses. But that's a long way off taking some subset of those features and slapping them in glasses and then mostly relying on them just being like you know maybe they can track some health sensors like your temperature or whatever through the ear the ear sides play audio talk through the outside world and take some photos you can see how that could be pretty compelling and the more recent like multimodal ai stuff kind of accelerates that just in giving more use cases for you're looking at something and you can actually act on it without a screen right Mm -hmm. that's actually any good the ring thing Sounded like Apple was kind of chatting about it a bit in terms of more of a health device as an alternative to the Apple Watch. German kind of implies that that's like not really a serious thing. They haven't they were talking about it, but they haven't really gone ahead. The thing that seems to be getting most of the attention is the AirPods with the cameras in, um, which I don't think are meant to be like cameras for photography. Are you not be able to, going to, be able to right. take photos with them yeah. that you can then put in your photo library and look back on? They're low resolution camera sensors that somehow fit into the stems of the earbuds. Um, that can be used for the AI kind of use cases, like what am I looking at? Tell me more about this, that kind of thing. Um, which is good because a lot of the time you do want, when you're walking out and about, you want some more information about like where you are, especially if you're traveling or something. But it's really awkward to be like talking for a long time. Like the voice is the input method isn't great. It's like you have to talk for a long time. It has to hear you. You know, the microphones and the AirPods aren't 100% the best. So sometimes it can hear you wrong. If you can just say, like, what am I looking at? And it can take a photo. Getting the information out of the photo seems a lot more achievable than you standing there describing a paragraph of a question and then waiting for the response. Um, obviously, these things aren't standalone products. They will have to, like, pair to a phone in your pocket or something. But that makes them small enough that they can wear them on your person without them being, you know, bulky Vision Pro, Vision Pro ski glasses. The cameras project on the AirPods seems far enough along that German even says it has an official code name inside of Apple now, B798. It was kickstarted last year, so obviously it's early, but you can see it coming to market if they continue with it within the next couple of years, right? Like, it, can mm-hmm. they fit cameras in the AirPods without looking stupid? That is definitely a question. But you can kind of see maybe the stems get a bit thicker. Mm-hmm. Maybe. They wouldn't be the only option, right? People could still buy the non-camera-enabled ones. Uh, but if they made them a bit thicker, they could probably fit little cameras in the, bottom of the, in the bottoms of them that face outwards and kind of get a perspective on the world similar to you looking out with your eyes. And they wouldn't be there to 
keep as or treasure as memories you wouldn't be like taking video <laughs> of them or whatever they're just there so that you can ask Siri or the assistant or whatever about what you're looking at i guess i just don't really see the benefit or how good something like that would be compared to just asking siri about it already just asking siri you mean voice only yeah voice only and you can describe something to siri to do that or you could just use your location or something that would involve awkward cameras that really aren't that good probably also just have terrible performance or terrible battery life i don't really see where this fits in it sounds cool though it sounds interesting but from a practicality standpoint yeah it's it's kind of the same target as like what the it's like another way to get to the like you know the humane pin like i think some of the yeah. use cases they show of the humane pin where they're asking questions and they have a rel- relatively intelligent llm giving answers and it can com- combine video and photos into its you know interpretation that's true. some of that stuff is appealing but it feels like you're not going to go out and buy a whole separate device that plugs on your you know that, that clicks onto your shirt pocket to do it in this case you're not having a separate device it's just the airpod you're wearing for music oh here's a use case where you can ask it a question about the word and it can take a picture too like ideally you wouldn't even know the airpods have cameras in them right you could just ask a question and it would like yeah transparently take the f- the photo input if it needed to trans uh, you know interpret that and give you a response back like the cameras in the airpods could be so low resolution that there isn't even the privacy concerns that things like the ray-bans have where you can take discrete pictures you know by yeah by having a camera in a place you don't normally expect them to be um so it kind of sidesteps all that if they're literally only if they're literally so low res that they're only there for ai interpretation and you can't really you know maybe you can't even get the actual raw camera data out of it at the end it's only encoded and sent to a server and you get a response back or something what do you think about the smart ring thing? Because that's more interesting to me. I wore an Aura smart ring for like a year. And for me, the form factor of the ring kind of just felt like it was getting in the way more often than the Apple Watch. Because they want you to wear it on your index finger. And your index finger is like how that's you're, you're typing, you're writing, you're doing all kinds of things with your index finger. And the Aura ring is small, but compared to a ring, pretty bulky. The form factor of the ring I found wasn't super compelling but there are people who find the apple watch bulky and maybe they would like the ring i don't know the yeah, ring there are is... a lot of people out there who like the apple watch feature set but already right. wear a nice watch so they don't really want to change out That's true. their traditional watches for the apple watch but a ring doesn't fully supplant what the apple watch does right like if you're just tracking health information like your heart rate or your calories and steps then the ring can do that and it's quite good for mm-hmm. sleeping right because it's um yeah, that's true. That was nice with the aura ring. Yeah. Sleeping. But if you want to like start a workout or glance at your metrics while you're doing a workout or change what workout you're doing midway through the gym session, you kind of need a screen and a ring's not going to give you that. Right. So it's kind of like a halfway house just in terms of it's very much just a passive health tracker at that point. Right. Like, yeah. Apple, which is what some people I, want. It is what some people want. With the Apple Watch, Apple tries to push a bit further than that. And I do appreciate a lot what the additional functionality having a screen on your wrist provides, like being able to glance at notifications, a couple of button presses to respond, that kind of thing. And you can, you know, what's not, I do 30-minute workouts, right? So halfway through, I can just look at my watch and it tells me how much time's gone and how many calories I'm doing. And, you know, you can try yeah. and keep inside of the heart rate zone and you can see a visual representation on the screen with a nice big, you know, OLED display. That kind of stuff is less 
compelling on a ring, especially because most of the rings have either no screen at all or just a very, very small LED display, right, that can't really show much information. So it's kind of like a midway point. And I also think that for Apple, it's less interesting as a business because you can't sell rings for the same price you can sell watches at. <laughs> uh, so it becomes way more accessory territory in terms of like standalone product. The Aura ring, I think, starts at like $300. It's not cheap. Yeah. So there's a... I mean, maybe they could get away with it, the, but I don't know how you justify the price discrepancy between a three hundred dollar ring and a what? I guess the Apple Watch starts at four hundred. What about the SE though? It's like three hundred. Two hundred, yeah, two twenty, two seventy nine. I mean, but I guess it is just a different form factor that some people want. I I think I mean the Aura Ring isn't super popular, right? That is true. <laughs> I think you I think you're hard pressed to sell people three hundred dollars just on a ring. That yeah doesn't do anything else like even if you end up using the apple watch only for fitness stuff people buy it because they're like oh i can see my photos on it you know what i mean like it's kind of stupid <laughs> yeah. but like you walk in the shop you're like oh i get nice wallpapers i can put my own photos in there i can see my messages maybe day to day you don't do any of that stuff you just use it as a fitness tracker and then that's fine but people like people are attracted to the screen and also seeing the time is also kind of nice on there you know like yeah that's true if I, the the ring only really applies if you don't care about any of the notification stuff, and you already wear a traditional style watch that you like, then maybe you get a ring to give you fitness tracking. I kind of think a better middle ground is what the old Fitbits used to be. You know those little bands, mm-hmm. yep, which would track information and have vertical but like elongated, you know, horizontal, I guess, like rectangular screens that were like mm-hmm. small, but they could still show you your current heart rate, your step counts. You can maybe even start workouts directly from there. And they were like little bands, um, things that could fit directly next to a watch and look completely normal. Uh, so I think maybe that would be something Apple could have explored if the Apple Watch didn't catch on. But the Apple Watch is pretty popular. Like The Apple Watch has caught on very much so. Yeah, I, think. I mean, it's the most popular single watch model in the world, I'm pretty sure. So uh, people like it and they don't seem to have... I think there are plenty of different things they could do with the Apple Watch to sell more units before they have to worry about form factor changes. And if they do have form factor changes on the horizon, I think a really more simple one would be to just offer the Apple Watch with a, with a round screen. Like, that is way more compelling yeah. to more yep. people than a ring, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, like I like the Apple Watch as it is, uh, but there are plenty of people out there who would buy one if only the screen was round because they think it looks more like a traditional watch. And at least to date, Apple hasn't shown much interest in doing that. Doesn't Apple say that the most popular watch face is the photos one? Yep. So like the vast majority of people who buy an Apple watch use it to track their steps, their calories, all of that. And then to put a pretty picture as their watch face. Like that's the most compelling Apple watch use case for most people. And combined with the guardian angel background health features that you probably couldn't get the same effect with, with a ring or even a Fitbit style band. Yeah. You're not going to get like an ECG or <laughs> yeah, that on a ring. Definitely it's not just- going to get blood oxygen. But well, you don't get on the Apple Watch anymore. Hey, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The um, yeah. So what? And and the the, the kind of like not day to day features the Apple Watch, but you do appreciate when they're there, like setting a timer, mm-hmm. right? Like I love setting a yep. timer on my wrist, and but I do I do it every day? No, of course I don't. But sometimes when you're, you know, I put the the washing machine on, or I'm doing some cooking or whatever, I just set a timer on my wrist, and then I get a little tap when it's ready to do. You can't really do those on rings or bands right you need like a square display that's decently sized also in power on mark german says to expect some design changes in ios 18 
He says, some design changes this year, but won't be a total overhaul that mirrors Vision OS, won't be as dramatic as iOS 7 or iOS 6 to iOS 7 was. I think Apple learned not to do those dramatic overhauls year to year and kind of just gradually do it over the course of three or four years. iOS 6 to iOS 7 was a complete mess. It was a fun time, though. It was a complete mess. It delayed all of the feature development Apple wanted to do on the operating system for years. Like, yep. multiple generations was set back by everyone. Because they spent the first year rushing to get this redesign in, and then they spent another year fixing it, <laughs> right? Like, so <laughs> they literally lost two cycles of basically feature development just to design of the operating system. And it wasn't even, like, a structural redesign in the way that you moved around the iPhone or how the iPhone worked. It basically worked exactly the same. It just looked different. And fashion is a lot about aesthetics, right? So looking different is significant, but... I don't think they got enough value out of the iOS 6 to iOS 7 transition to make it worthwhile. And even today, there's parts of the iOS 7 redesign that stick with us and I don't really like. Like, like <laughs> I think overall, iOS 6 to iOS 7 had to happen and the iOS 6 design was aging. But there was probably a, a different path they could have gone down, which was less drastic, made smaller changes year over year over year and would have alienated less people up front. Like iOS 7 looked... You go back and look at iOS 7.0, the one that shipped in that September. It's kind of ugly. It's ugly and it's bad and there's just parts of it where it's like, if you do actually just, you know, evolve this slowly over multiple generations, there's no way they would have landed up here. But they had to rush something out in a 10-month time span or even less because it was based on, you know, when Forstall left that it really kickstarted. So it was like the October. So they really had six months to, like, change it out. Yeah. And so what they did is they didn't have time to rethink anything. They just took every app and they got rid of all the textures and they made it visually aligned to a thing and then put some blurs around, which is basically what happened, right? And they redesigned the app icons. Um, Like, the way you navigated the iPhone was the same. It just looked different um, in almost all regards. So the actual, like, benefit was quite limited and the cost was huge. And it impacted, like third-party app developers as well so many app developers complained that they had to redirect all focus just to redesign their apps without providing new features the ipad was also delayed and struggled right it they didn't even ship ios 7 for the ipad for months right later on and it looked bad and they had to keep working like there's so much opportunity cost there that probably wasn't worth it and it took them really i'd say until like ios 9 ios 10 where i felt like the design of the operating system was in a good place again uh, so and that was I, that was 10 years ago now so the operating system had way less stuff in it right like it was such a big ordeal in 2013 and you go another 10 years on so many more features would have to be redesigned so many more screens would have to be updated to do it again in 2024 you know like there's just so much more to the operating system more apps more screens more setting screens more stuff so i don't really think a full-on redesign is it is ever going to be practical again you the only time you really get a chance to do it is like whole new platforms like vision os and even vision os people keep going well i wish the iphone looked more like vision os now a lot of vision os is the iphone design you know maybe with some touched up edges and it looks nicer and but most of it is kind of similar to what you get on the ipad or the apple tv already uh they just put gloss transparent backgrounds in every window because they want you to to see the pass-through at all times and that element is not going to come to the iphone because they're not going to run the cameras full time just so you can have like a quote-unquote transparent phone like it's not going to happen yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, the essence of vision os is already ios i would say uh you have to squint a little bit in some places because some parts of ios are more dated 
But you get a cutting edge design iOS app or, you know, look at the Apple TV or something like that. And it's pretty close to what Vision provides. Vision just provided a fresh slate for them to start from zero. And don't forget, they started from zero on all the apps on Vision OS, which means most yeah. of the apps on Vision OS have less features, right? Like the Photos app, it's a beautiful thing to look at pictures, but you can't edit any of them on the Apple Vision Pro. The Which is so has, annoying. Yeah, there's no editing functionality. You, know, you want to rotate, you want to crop. No, like they had to start over. And let's think, how many of the Vision OS apps, uh, the Apple Vision apps, are iPad apps? Half of them, at least. Yeah. So they redesigned the operating system, quote unquote, in a minor to semi-significant way. They didn't have time to even redo all the apps. Like, there's no way they're going to do that on the iPhone. You have to take small incremental steps. And so, yeah, I'm sure. There's some evolutions. You look at iOS 7 to iOS 10, there was evolution. Look at iOS 10 to iOS 13, there was evolution. You look at iOS 13 to iOS 17, there was evolution. I think we'll see more of that evolution go on. Goman keeps saying this is going to be a big update this year, not just for AI, but other features. So maybe there's slightly more UI involvement, you know, slightly more UI change than 15 to 16 or 16 to 17. But it's not, you're never going to see an iOS 6 to iOS 7 transition ever again, I don't think. The transition from iOS 13 to iOS 14 is like the biggest one that comes to mind for me just because it finally added widgets. And that update went very smoothly. Then iOS 16 added the lock screen widgets. We just see Apple make these changes that, in in all honesty, are really dramatic. Home screen widgets finally on the iPhone after 14 versions were, that was huge. And people loved it. Had the whole viral widget smith, all of that stuff. Nobody really complained. The biggest change to how the iPhones worked, in my opinion, was the iPhone 10. Yeah. Right? They got rid of the hand button. The gesture controls, the multitasking, the the swiping up from the home indicator, that concept was all new, and they kind of nailed it. They did, yeah. Like, it's basically the same. They, they did it in 2017. It was a huge switch, switch from the home button, and it really works, and they continue to use it to this day, and changed almost nothing about it, which shows how how well it holds up. Um, year on year you're going to get aesthetic changes I always love a nude liquor paint I don't think it's going to be so dramatic that you're like wow <laughs> you know, like, I think the headline feature iOS 18 will be features not design I guess is a way to put it Happy Hour this week is sponsored by Shopify check them out at shopify.com slash happy hour so if you're thinking of starting a business or you already have a small business, are you using Shopify? And if not, why not? Shopify helps you sell everywhere and you don't need coding knowledge to get started. They have a bunch of free website templates that can get you up and running and they'll handle payments, secure transactions and shipping. The Shopify platform runs on servers in their cloud infrastructure. So you don't have to think about managing services or hosting or anything complicated like that. You just focus on what you do best. And as you get bigger, Shopify is there with all the tools, knobs, and dials to tune your e-commerce site to your needs. Shopify is there for you when you are just starting out, selling your first products online, and it grows with you even if you launch in retail and hit success with millions of orders. Whether you're selling security systems, PC components, or maybe you're a Mac developer wanting to sell direct to your customers, Shopify is the answer. They have all-in-one e-commerce and in-person point-of-sale solutions that can work seamlessly together. Now, personally, I've sold stuff as an indie dev before online and done it all by hand. But even though I had the know-how, it was so much work and hassle that on reflection, you know, really wasn't worth it. Whereas what I love about Shopify is that it's so simple and it has everything you need in one place. So if you do hit the jackpot and if you do hit the jackpot and get big, you aren't stranded waiting for a dev team to build out all of the functionality. Shopify just has it there ready for you. 
Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States with global reach supporting millions of entrepreneurs across 175 countries. And that's because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash happy hour, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash happy hour now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash happy hour. Thanks to Shopify for sponsoring the show. So last week after we finished recording, you dropped a bomb on me that you were learning how to drive, finally. <laughs> so I told you, I said, okay, I bought Vision Pro for the sake of 9to5Mac and the sake of this very podcast. So you're learning how to drive. You're going to buy Apple Car. So we have something <laughs> to talk about in 2028. <laughs> hopefully I'll have passed by then. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> but it, even if you pass, it sounds like Apple Car will not be an option. Yep. Bloomberg says Apple has canceled its efforts to build an Apple car announced internally this week after the decision was made by the higher-ups a few weeks ago. German says that Apple had 2,000 people working on the Apple car project, which is just a staggering number for something that never actually materialized in anything. He says some of those people are being moved to Apple's AI team to work with John G. and Andrea. Some of them are being offered the option to apply for other jobs within Apple. And some of them are unfortunately being laid off. I can't say I'm surprised at all by this news. What about you? Well, I'm a bit surprised because they have been at it for a very long time and spent a lot of money on it. <laughs> I think estimates are in the range of about 10 billion yeah. uh, since 2015 when it really got going. And it's had so much turmoil and executive turnover that it kind of felt like the project that was never going to end. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So the fact that they finally brought down the hammer on it was. A bit of a, a bit of a shock to me like you know this thing started around 2015 when everybody was really high on autonomous driving technology you had google investing in it you had uber lifting you know working on it you had everybody what everybody could think of that was in tech at the time was like autonomous driving is going to be here soon we're going to be the ones to offer it first and there was so much investment in autonomous driving apple was in the fray I think at the time, everyone was like, we'll probably have self-driving cars, you know, like 2020-ish. <laughs> you know, like there was a lot more optimism about getting a viable self-driving system on the road. And that, from all intents and purposes, seems to be the motivation for the Apple car, right? Like the early prototypes, mm -hmm. you had Johnny Ive and Tim Cook in a fake a fake a fake prototype vehicle watching a video screen with no, and the vehicle had no steering wheel. They just kind of sat in it and enjoyed <laughs> life and looked out the window. And that was always the vision that was driving the thing. They we talked we talked about this many times on this show. Like they're not doing an electric car; they want to do a self-driving car with no wheel, or at least you know a highly self-driving vehicle to differentiate themselves from just making an electric car. And then the years go on, and it doesn't happen. And then oh, there's delays. There's uh, someone leaving, someone else coming in. The time goes on. It comes to about 2020, and the reality of shipping a truly autonomous vehicle is disappearing. Right? Like you know. Elon Musk promised it for Tesla by that time and it didn't happen. You know, everyone else had kind of started to fall away a little bit. There's limited full self-driving with like Google's Waymo in select cities and stuff, but wide scale autonomous driving just doesn't exist. And you can't fast forward to 2024 where we are now, still doesn't seem like it's around the corner anytime soon, right? Like stuff's improving, stuff gets better, but 2030 even seems questionable at this rate. Or, you know, like it will happen one day, but it's certainly not anytime soon and 
the Apple Car project seem to be predicated on that idea. And we heard, you know, around 22 or whatever, they shift gears a bit. They 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 confronted the reality of not being able to deliver self-driving, and they started um, cutting back on the design for the car that they were building to, you know, once again include wheels, <laughs> incredibly, and everything like that. And they, <laughs> they scaling down it. Oh, we're not going to be able to offer full self-driving initially. We'll just offer level two autonomy and maybe update it down the road with software updates and stuff. And they diluted it so much. We spoke about this the last time we spoke about this on the show. Me and you were like, now the rumor is that it's basically going to ship like what a Tesla is today, but it's going to be 2028. And $100,000. Yeah. What is the what is the big kicker there? What's the point? And yeah, it kind of seems like they didn't have a point. So they finally culled it. One of the chapters in the Apple Car story that I had forgotten about was, remember the reports that they were going to just build self-driving like hardware and software? then potentially team up with another company to like Hyundai and do a Hyundai Apple car. They used Apple's self-driving technology, mm-hmm. but Hyundai's infrastructure. Then it seems like, so they hired Doug Field, who was at Apple, left Apple in 2013 for Tesla, basically led the way at Tesla to ramp up the Model 3 production, which is like a, a huge accomplishment. Whatever you say about Tesla, ramping up Model 3 production to the level that they did, incredibly impressive. And he led the work on that. He came back to Apple in 2018 to lead Apple Car. And that was when I was kind of like, okay, they're actually doing this. Doug Field is proven. Then he left in 20, yeah. 2021 and went to Ford. And I was like, okay, I think Apple Car is dead at this point. Doug Field's done great work at Ford. Mach-E, Lightning. Ford's doing some great EV stuff. And he couldn't do it at Apple. And that kind of, I think, says a lot about whether it's the commitment Apple actually had to Apple Car. Maybe it what there just wasn't a level of commitment necessary. There were reports that Tim Cook wasn't really involved, and it was kind of just like a pet project. The New York Times said that Tim Cook first approved the project basically as a way to prevent a bunch of engineers from leaving Apple for Tesla. I don't know about that part. Like, yeah, I don't know. That but feels a bit straight. Like, they you don't spend ten billion just to engineers to make something that you don't care about. You know, like that's kind of that's that's a stretch. That's a leap too far. They wanted to make the car. Yeah. I think they like you go to twenty fifteen. They're like. We can make a fully autonomous car. People can just sit, you know, sit in the car. It will drive them around. And they can enjoy life on their iPhone or whatever. Like that vision is great. Uh, but I guess maybe people higher up inside of Apple thought it was more possible than it really was, and they kind of like yeah. hoodwinked the executive team and be like, "We'll be able to do this, you know. Just give us the money for it, and uh, we'll get off and do it." And then time goes by, and obviously they had their autonomous fleet uh, running around America or whatever, and, and California. Uh, and that they were like modified Lexuses, right? With all those LIDAR, yeah. LiDAR sensors mm-hmm. and stuff. And they had some success, but then we also heard about, you know, the me- nearly hitting joggers and passengers and issues. And, you know, once you're causing injury to people, you start reevaluating. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> the money's yeah, one should. thing, you know, you see the billions stacking up. Apple can afford billions, but like at some point you got, to, how how likely is it we're actually going to do this versus how likely is we're going to kill someone, you know, and destroy our reputation? Apple, I think, has different standards on that versus some of the other companies, for yeah. sure. But, I mean, you saw, like, I, Uber's self-driving division shut down purely over they had an accident, you know? Like, yeah. It's such a risky business. And you look at today, is there anyone really pushing self-driving? Not really. And it seems like the Apple Car project was always just tied to, we want to make the self-driving vehicle. And they never really had, like, a reason of for being if they couldn't do the self-driving part. And... It seems like they couldn't do the self-driving part, so <laughs> finally they've 
brought down the hammer. I, if you want a, a positive, you could say that at least they haven't fallen for like the sunk cost fallacy where it's like, we spent 10 yeah. billion already. Mm-hmm. I guess we better just make a car, you know, because we've we've done all this stuff. Like, it's probably better that they've realized, look, we're not going to make something that's compelling and interesting. So we might as well just cut it off now, even if we're going to sack, you know, 10 billion in cost uh, underway. I also, I don't know this at all, but I do wonder if like Johnny Ive had already left Apple by the time this project started, would it have happened? Like, it feels like Ive was pretty attached to making a car and, he would have gone wild designing everything and yeah maybe a bit more detached from reality like if i wasn't there would this project have got off the ground i'm not so sure do you think it would have been different if apple because apple made a few acquisitions do you think it would have been different if apple made like one big acquisition whether that was tesla which has been rumored and actually confirmed by elon musk that he tried to sell tesla (laughs) to apple should apple have done that would it have made a difference well if they'd acquired a company like that they would 100 percent be shipping cars right yeah that is true they wouldn't have spent 50 billion on tesla at the time and then just been like well time to shut it down like <laughs> like uh but i think if they did like i think they could have shipped non-self-driving cars 10 years ago right like if they'd have really yeah. felt like that was what they wanted to do they could have got it done whether it was with a partnership with hyundai or someone else or you know it, i mean reports back to 2015 say they designed all their own drivetrains and everything and their own battery tech and everything for it and um, but they never got the car out the door because they were trying to get the self-driving component to work. And all their like hardware designs for the full car were like, we don't have a steering wheel. So it's kind of waiting on that. Uh, and it never really got there. It never really materialized. So a mistake of the Apple Car project is being too ambitious at the gate, right? Like yeah, in 2015, they probably should have maybe aimed to ship just a nice electric car with you know nice integration and nice finish and stuff by 2020 or whatever, you know, beat the Model 3 or be alongside the Model 3 timeline kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm deluded, but I kind of think they could have done that if they really wanted to. But they were misled maybe. or distracted by a bigger vision that they never got to. And time went on, the wheel spun, and nothing was really happening. Like, it's kind of interesting. The Vision Pro project started about the same time, right? That was around 2015. Yeah. So you had these two like moonshot projects and 10 years later one never really got an actual prototype of an actual vehicle right like they never actually made anything and the other is shipping is it shipping in the final form of course not they're still but they're still working on it and i think we've seen far less tumult in the creation of the vision the vision stuff like mike rockwell still leads the project right they're still full steam ahead it seems all positive and they're going for it the car things had so much turnover. There's probably the people that were originally in charge of it are all gone. Like they even brought Bob Mansfield out of retirement for a bit to run it. <laughs> like they literally tried everything and they just couldn't get it going. So maybe there's part of its cultural. Maybe they just had way high ambitions. I believe with Apple's money and resources, they can achieve whatever they want. But you still have the human aspect to it, right? Of like you need the dedication, you need the drive, you need to actually make something, and they just never did. And I'm kind of sad that they did fail because I think they could have done something really cool. Even if they hadn't have gone for the full self-driving thing. Yeah. Um, I think they could have made a cool car. And you see so, you see parts of it in like the CarPlay 2, you know, the next generation CarPlay designs. Like mm-hmm. imagine that kind of insight and thought but applied to the whole vehicle when you've got full integration with everything. And the car is the only place where you can't use an iPhone because you're not allowed to use a phone while you're driving. So mm-hmm. I do think there's like motivation for it. I don't think it's like stupid or crazy or insane uh but what was so the idea was sound i think it was the execution was fumbled on 
every which way to Sunday. I would have loved to see Apple do this mainly just to put give Tesla a run for their money a little bit. Just because Tesla had a head start, but Tesla was a startup. They were struggling, ramping up Model 3 production. Whereas Apple wanted to ship a car with full self-driving, no steering wheel, no pedals. Tesla is taking the approach of shipping cars and telling you they'll be able to full self-drive at some point in the future. And make you buy it. Some, <laughs> yeah, and to make you buy it, make you buy the full self-driving package for $10,000. I think having somebody else in the industry doing things the right way would have been good for Tesla and good for Apple and good overall. And I do wonder if ultimately this is just going to be good news for CarPlay. We have next generation CarPlay, and it's hard not to imagine that that was going to be at least the basis for the in-car infotainment interface for Apple Car. But I also think that Apple probably had other ideas in the works that they were saving for Apple Car, whether that was software or input methods or whatever. And maybe now that Apple Car is canceled, we'll see some of those come to life via CarPlay, next-gen CarPlay, or whatever's in the future. And the obvious question has always been, why should an automaker turn over the in-car experience entirely to Apple, especially when they knew that Apple was making a car and would become a competitor in just a few years? My hope is maybe that companies will be more willing to work with Apple on in-car stuff now that they know Apple won't be a car competitor, which again could be good news for CarPlay because we've seen Next Generation CarPlay was announced in 2022 and we still don't actually have cars on the road with Next Gen CarPlay. GM is dropping CarPlay or has dropped CarPlay. Tesla, Rivian don't support CarPlay. I think, I don't know, I think maybe the situation would be different if Apple had canceled Apple Car a couple years ago. It's, t- it's certainly possible. You're certainly more like, I think you're a better partner, right? You're more yes, attractive absolutely. as a partnership if you aren't making a direct compare to the, to the same product yeah. at the same time. I do wonder where maybe there's like a, well, now we're not going to do a full car. What if we do like expand CarPlay in a big way and we partner directly with somebody and do yeah. more of the mm-hmm. Android Auto model, right? Because like Google's Android Automotive is like dominating things. In terms of it's like the base layer operating system on which car makers can build their own interface and still support Android Auto and CarPlay. If Apple made CarPlay a CarPlay operating system of some sort, that could be a good way to get some of that ground back. Or that maybe they just consider it the whole car thing a distraction and they're not going to bother and not 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 bother any more than CarPlay, right? Like yeah, that is true. Um, I just don't think Apple's going to give up on its goal to to give people a way to use their stuff in the car when they can't use their iPhone. Yeah, I mean, you can't give up on it, right? Like, CarPlay has to yeah. continue. Uh, whether you need to do, like, an intimate, huge relationship with the manufacturer is less clear, but I think it's more likely than yesterday or last week when they were still making a car. And, you know, yeah. that's a different... That's just a different calculus. Uh, the, the thing I do wonder is, let's say in five years, ten years' time, magically, Tesla starts shipping self-driving and the cars yeah. do drive themselves. What's Apple going to do then? Are they going to come back? Like, are they are they going to kick themselves that they they missed the market? Like, or do they return and be like, well, now it's possible. I guess we'll start doing it. <laughs> but the like, approaches that Apple and Tesla are taking were so drastically different. Where Apple was using lidar and Tesla's using vision camera yeah. based stuff. I don't know. It's is it dead for good? I I think so. But it, I guess it could come back. You might be right. At some point, like. Maybe it becomes compelling again, but it, it might be On a 10-year infinite thing. time scale. Yeah. The other thing I do think is that Tim Cook's retirement feels yeah. way more yep. likely. <laughs> like I kind of feel yep. like before 
you know, around 2020, he said, 10 years sounds like a long time, right? Like, so we've kind of been thinking sometime this decade, he's probably going to step back. And in my head, at least, I was thinking, you know, he's probably overseeing the rollout of the two big, you know, moonshot projects that we know about, at least, the headset, the augmented reality thing, and then the car. And now both of those things are resolved, right? The car's gone and resolved, the yeah. shipping and, and, on, and on the roadmap, um, on, the, on the product production cycles. I think he'll want to oversee the generative AI stuff, really get that out the door and make that good and compelling, just so his legacy isn't, isn't marred by Apple falling behind on AI under mm. Tim Cook. I think, was it, we keep coming back to this Dua Lipa interview a couple, <laughs> couple months ago, where I think she said a couple more years but Apple has like obviously the detailed succession planning in place. Yeah. So I think he'll oversee the big push into generative AI. Maybe the next version of Vision Pro, and then he's probably on the way out. I mean, I imagine the succession plan takes him to chairman of the board. That, yeah. Yeah. So and then he at least is in that role for a few years or he at least on the board or something. Like I don't think for a smooth for a smooth transition Tim Cook's not going to be like, well, I'm retiring at the end of the year. So you're like, lads, you know, like he's not going to just dip. But Carry his stuff out in cardboard boxes and just never yeah, come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I could see, and who knows, right? It's up to him ultimately. But like, I think his current stock package expires in 2028. Uh, not that I think Tim Cook's solely driven by money at that level because he's got way more money than he needs in life. So he could, he could leave earlier than that. But in the next couple of years i wouldn't be surprised if we have an announcement or like he's moving to a chairman role and someone else is coming in or they're bringing they're clearly elevate somebody up even more than they do right now because there is obviously a big question mark about who it's going to be and you know the obvious answer or the like safe answer is jeff williams right because he's basically just like tim cook too but Jeff Williams is also old. Like he's sixty-one, and Tim Cook's sixty-three. Yeah, so, like so, you're not buying too much more time on the retirement scale uh, if you just switch Cook for for Williams. So I'm kind of thinking that they're going to bring up something, somebody else, like more f- like a younger, a younger person. Like, I think it's kind of futile to just take Williams. Out. Like Williams is there if like Tim Cook gets hit by a bus. You know, it's like well, okay, yeah. Williams is off and yes. running. But for long-term CEO premiership it really doesn't seem like a great transition so again I'm, i don't know anything about the internal leadership situation i would imagine tim cook's going to move to some sort of chairman role and insert person here will take up the quote-unquote ceo or be elevated to an intermediate role while tim cook stays ceo for a while before he finally takes over the the top job and i think even goman's mentioned this before um and I'm blanking on his name. The hardware technologies guy. What's his name? Mm. John Turnus. That's who I'm thinking. Of. Oh yeah, John Turnus. He's yeah. been labelled as the possible as a candidate. Really? Mm. That would be good. German mentioned that yeah. before because he's been incredibly capable in his role. He's rose through the ranks. You see him more and more. Right. A lot of the Apple Silicon stuff rests on his shoulders. He's uh, he's got huge success. People love him. Uh, and he's quite young. So like. He's 45. Yeah, that's pretty good. Like, you can get 20 years out of him if he becomes CEO. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, so out of the people we've seen in terms of visually, and Tim Cook did say he wanted to hire from within, right? Like, he doesn't yeah. want to get an external person. Uh, so out of the executive team, he's kind of the go-to guy, like, that we know of. Uh, like, they'd have to, re- they'd be really left field if they introduced someone brand new that we've never seen before, you know? <laughs> uh, so if you look at the board, if you look at the leadership page, there aren't too many options. Apart from him. No. So, 
and everybody loves to say that this should be Craig Federighi. I don't think Craig Federighi wants the job. I don't know how good he would be at the job. Eddie Q would be an... I love Eddie Q, but I think he'd be an awful Apple CEO. Yeah, and them two, they're older. They're like, old, yeah. The age is such a factor. Such a factor. You know who it might be like a sleeper candidate? It would be Deirdre O'Brien. Mm-hmm. She's kind of been like Tim Cook's right-hand person. It seems like he's, she's always at retail events with him and she's the vp of retail but she's been at apple for god like what is it, like 30 years or something oh yeah long long time yeah she's like one of the oldest at longest running apple executives and apple employees i don't know how old she is offhand but she is 58 so five years younger than tim cook 58 is not like super young like to take over you could do it but like you're not You'd be old when you... you could, yeah, you'd be on the older side. Like I feel like you, sh- if you're going to go through the turmoil of executive change, you should go more drastic. Yeah, and I think you're If you look at right. the page, the only option is Turner's at the moment. So we'll see. But yeah, if you closing the book on the car thing definitely opens up, I feel like Tim Cook's stepping back uh, way more than it did before. I think that does it for this week, Mayo. You can find us on Apple Podcasts where you can leave a rating and a review and find an ad-free version of the show for $5 a month or $50 a year. Send us feedback, happyhour at 9to5mac.com. Follow along with me on threads, Twitter, Mastodon, at Chance H. Miller. And Mayo, what about you? At BZA Mayo. All right. Thanks, Mayo. Bye-bye.